you're not willing to take a journey across town to shag, then... Wow. Well, it's an equation, isn't it, right? You look at their picture and you think... <laughs> I'm going to get two minutes of joy. <laughs> they're 5.2 miles away, whereas this one is 3.7 miles away. Are they significantly hotter to justify the extra distance or not? Well, remember, Carl, you may not have a lot of blood in your brain when you're thinking about this. Smashing Security, Episode 241. Flipping dating apps and crypto rewards for criminals. With Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 241. My name's Graham Cluley. 241. And I'm Carol Terrio. And this week, Kroll, we're joined by an oldie but a goldie. Aww. It's Maria Vamasis. Hi. Hi, Maria. <laughs> Hi. Actually, not as old as either of us, is she? <laughs> Getting older every day. Maria, host of Sticky Pickles, and <laughs> oh, maybe you've heard of it. Often guest host of Smashing Security. Maria, how the heck are you? I haven't talked to you in well, at least weeks and weeks. I'm relaxed from a nice vacation, and uh, have no idea what's going on in the broader world. So here I am, jumping back in. <laughs> you went on vacation. Where'd you go? Down the end of your garden? Where, where, yeah, where no, you? I, I went about an hour north of myself to, to Maine. Oh, wow. Yeah, which feels like a world away, even though it's yeah. a very quick drive. So it was very nice and uh, enjoyed a whole week by the ocean. It was lovely. Oh, yeah. Well, the world of security has not gone on vacation, has it, girl? It hasn't. But first, let's thank this week's sponsors, Privacy.com and 1Password. It's their support that helps us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got? I've got a very important question, which is this. What is the flipping point of dating apps? Um, <laughs> to have sex, I think. <laughs> Maria, what about you? <laughs> oh, you asked me the question or no, my story? But, oh. What's your story? <laughs> <laughs> my story is uh, along the lines of dating app. No, it's not. It's about uh, biometric data and the Taliban. Ooh, and my story is about a wacky cryptocurrency snafu brought to us by a Patreon supporter who I'm going to call the Chupster. (laughs) 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 All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. (laughs) The Chupster. Sorry, I I wasn't ready for that. I did a total spin take. (laughs) There's coffee everywhere. Oh, God. We had spilt tea last week. This week. <laughs> anyway, right. I miss now. Maria so much. <laughs> now, chums, chums. <laughs> you have to wait. Okay, wait Are you all right there? Okay, okay, <laughs> Breathe. <laughs> okay, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Well, do you know what chubster means? You know, it's a euphemism. Well, I wanted to anonymize, pseudonymize <laughs> the person, but I wanted them to recognize that I knew who they were, that I knew what. Yeah, so we all understand each other in a private sort of way. Okay, okay. I'm good. I'm, I'm great. This okay. is going to be great. <laughs> Welcome back, Maria. <laughs> dating. Dating apps. That's what I want to talk about. Dating apps. We've talked about them before. I think we may have even admitted some of us that we might have met our partners online. I did. Wasn't I it did. IRC or ICQ or something? That uh, no, I feel, <laughs> no, not ICQ. In my case, it was OkCupid. Yeah. So I met my husband. Yeah. I didn't. I, I met mine the old-fashioned way. You didn't go to Wookiees R Us or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> yes, exactly. I went to Planet Wookie. 
Well, you know, these dating apps, especially under lockdown, you know, that's the way you're going to meet the ladies or the gents or the small furry creatures from Alpha Centauri, whatever it is that you fancy, because you're probably not going down bars as much. You're not going to much. I've never been to, if I would I go to a bar ever or a pub, but you know. You're not going to your chess club. A coffee much. house. <laughs> yes, whatever it is. You're not, you're not, yeah, Craig doesn't you know, leave the house and do anything normal. Oh. You're, not, you're not, yeah, exactly. You're not doing that right. as much. Now, have you heard of a dating app called Bumble? Yeah, I have. Yes. Yeah. It's an interesting name for a dating app, isn't it? Bumble. I mean, it's like... It's not Bumble. We've sort of covered, you've covered both sides <laughs> of the, the equation there, haven't you? Bumble. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I was thinking Bumblebee. Exactly. Bumble. Yeah. Oh, Bumblebee. <laughs> Bumblebee. So, one of the things that the Bumble dating app, and I imagine other dating apps do as well, is they tell you how far away you are from your potential date. So, you look someone up and it says, ooh, they're um, 13 miles away. One meter away! <laughs> they're outside your window! <laughs> Watching you pee. I find that so creepy. <laughs> creepy. Holy moly. They're just looking at you through the ceiling tiles at the moment. <laughs> it's ceiling cat. Ceiling cat knows what you've been up to. <laughs> Bringing that meme back. So, um, yeah, so they tell you how far away somebody is. Now, obviously, it would not be a good thing if they said to you not only how far away they were, but that they were on the corner of, you know, Marcham Street and Jubilee Close. If they said something like that, that oh, they just kind of really give bad. you they kind of give you like two minutes away or two miles away, something like that. Yeah, exactly. They'll say two miles away or three miles away. Or all right, or in any direction. Away. So you have to run like in circles right, to find exactly. them. So all right. you can think is a, is is a, is a circle. Now, of course, it, it it is possible that you might be on some sort of uh, maybe you're on a pier or something, which is a, <laughs> a bit of a jetty going out into the sea, and then you think, well, they're probably not in a boat. And you might be able to work out roughly where they are. But most of the time, that is not the case. <laughs> they're right? in an aeroplane. <laughs> but I think, yes, they're, 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 they're three miles away above you at the moment. <laughs> oh, they're going to look closer very quickly. Yes. <laughs> and now they're gone. And okay. now they're splat. Um, so, so, crazy. So, so. I'm trying to be serious here, guys. I'm trying to be serious. So it's obviously a good thing that dating apps don't tell you precisely where somebody is, right? Right. Because that could be used for stalking, or maybe you know somebody who uses a dating app who's like a business rival, or maybe you're a spy and you're trying to track somebody. So you don't want your dating app giving out your precise location. No. Well. I think by default it shouldn't do any of that, but anyway. No, they shouldn't. Uh-oh. But maybe. They're still leaking enough information. What happened, Mm-mm. Graham? What did you do? With, not me. Not me. I'm not a user of Bumble. Um, Bumble. But a chap called Robert Heaton, who is a software engineer at Stripe, the payments company, he found a problem with Bumble. And Bumble only tells you, like, oh, they're three miles away, right? They're four miles away. Mm-hmm. And what you're able to do is you're able to use trilateration. Hmm. In order to find out their location. Now, you're wondering what is trilateration. No, I'm guessing it's three points, right? Well, we all know about triangulation, don't we? Because we, you see that all the time on TV. Yeah. Trilateration is kind of similar. So what he was able to find, and this was a problem as well with Tinder a while back, but they, they were able to fix it, is that if a dating app is too specific about the distance, if they say something like, oh, it's 3.56 miles away from you, <laughs> 
then if you had a number of different dating profiles located in different places, then you'd all be able to look at that particular person, find the distance, and then go with your three Mm -hmm. lines and work out where they were, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep. So you don't want a precise distance. And so for that reason, dating apps hopefully normally round the distance instead, okay? So if you use Bumble, it will round the distance. So if it's, for instance, 3.3 miles or 3.32 miles, rather than being really precise like that, it will actually say three miles, mm-hmm. okay, instead. And that means that if you use trilateration, then you'll only be able to locate them within about a mile by mile square, which probably is vague enough. Is this enough. just for the lazy? I mean, literally, what's wrong with just like the town or the city name? Like, are you thinking, oh, they're all the way across town? That's annoying. Well, Forget <laughs> it. Like, they have to be like. Yeah, can't you just meet up? I mean, I don't. Yeah. yeah. I think the thing is this, right? There are some dating apps which are for romantic dates. And there are other dating apps which might be for hooking up. Oh, right. If you're all hot and horny. You're not willing to take a journey across town to shag, then wow. It's an equation, isn't it? Right? You look at their picture and you think, (laughs) I'm going to get two minutes of joy. (laughs) They're 5.2 miles away, whereas this one is 3.7 miles away. Are they significantly hotter to justify the extra distance? Seriously? Well, remember, Carl, you may not have a lot of blood in your brain when you're thinking about this at that moment. So doing that kind of math in your head might not be successful. Just, yeah. So okay. I think, and, and also there are dating apps. Is it uh, Grinder and Greendare? Actually, is how mm-hmm. it's pronounced. Greendare. <laughs> which so you can so you might want someone who's within like fifty meters or something, might you? I don't. I don't know. You might. You might do. Right. My next door you neighbor. Should, yeah, you should yeah. turn around and be engaged. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> be <engaged>. So, <laughs> so imagine you're trying to find out someone's real location, right? And the dating app is rounding the number. What you can do, according to Robert Heaton, is you can use the API to slightly shift the location by 0.01 degrees of latitude or longitude on every occasion. So you've got these three profiles, right, for your three lines, yeah? And what Mm -hmm. you do is you move them slightly further out or adjust one ever so slightly. And at some point, the distance is going to flip from being four miles away to suddenly it's now five miles away. And you only just went a very small distance. Do you see what I mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So you're pinpointing the exact location by just kind of sniffing around, it, waiting for exactly, everything. Exactly, because yeah. that point where you go from four miles to five miles, that's probably four and a half miles distance. Tell you what, listeners, if you're in the dating sphere and uh, someone admits to doing this to you, can you run away? Oh, yeah, that's, that's a red like, flag if I've ever heard like, one. Like, what a humongous red flag, right? I trilateraled you. No, wait, tri- <laughs> tri- tri- lateralized tri- you. Tri- lateralized <laughs> you, and that's how much I'm attracted to you. Ooh. So, <laughs> Robert Heaton did this. You're worth a trilateralization. <laughs> <laughs> he did this with a few profiles, right, where he wrote a little routine, and he was using the Bumble uh, <laughs> API to mm-hmm. slightly change his location. And he was expecting it to change at the three and a half. That would be the flipping point, right? That's what I'm talking about, the flipping, flipping point, yes. point of dating apps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What is the flipping what is point of this? Flipping I'm point waiting. Of this. <laughs> well, he thought it would be at three and a half. He thought at three and a half it would then turn to four, but it didn't. 
what happened was it went all the way up to 3.99999 and then became four. So Bumble, it turned out, was actually rounding down. So whatever the number was, even if it was 3.9 miles, it would round down to three. And at four, it then became four until it was five. Well, of course it did, because they thought, oh, my God, there's more fish in a four-mile radius than there are in a three-mile radius. So let's Ooh, ride make round Make it sound down. like they're closer oh, than they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's the marketing mm-hmm. thing. That's yes. interesting. Oh, yeah. That's the, ah. Math doesn't come into play when we talk about marketing. You start ah. fudging stuff all left and right. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And so he, he found that he was able to precisely locate individuals, not, not because he was looking for dates or something like that, but he thought this would be useful for snooping and surveillance he also found there was a separate bug he found where it was possible normally if you want to swipe yes on people and sort of say yes there's a match or you know someone who swiped yes on you normally you have to pay a $1.99 fee to the app and he found that it was possible to bypass that as well oh well (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So another another kind of useful. Sure, they fixed that one people. immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one, like, well, you can cheat us out of our money, and yeah, we're gonna fix that. So, but that's Bumble. really scary, though, in terms of like someone being a bit of a psycho and um, taking advantage of this. So, did they fix it? Did he? Did he responsibly disclose it to, to Bumble first? Yes, he did. He oh, received, good man. He reported it to them via HackerOne, yep. the bug bounty initiative, folks. He's got $2,000 as a result. The bug was fixed within 72 hours nice. of reporting, which is a, a good happy ending, I think, um, mm. which is what you want uh, if you're dating, I suppose. But I think it's an interesting thing because clearly they designed it with the thought that we don't want to be precise about location, but there was enough information in there if the API was abused to actually find out people's location really, really specifically. Sometimes people don't think about how this stuff can be used maliciously, but don't put it past somebody who's got uh, stalkery tendencies to, to put in the work, because they will. And like I said, even if it's not romantic, it might be a business rival, it could be anything. You know, Someone wants to know if two people, for instance, are meeting this would be a way to do it if they were both Bumble users. Business rival. That sounds like a meet cute for like a rom-com. <laughs> yeah. That's like we were business rivals and I was stalking her on Bumble and then ends up we went on a date and we matched and now we're in love or something. I don't know. Ever oh. <laughs> romantic, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> Except I'm a crazy stalker and that's terrible. Please don't fall in love with me. Anyway, yes. <laughs> Maria, what's your story for us this week? Well, mine is also a really upbeat and uplifting story. <laughs> um, it's about the Taliban. So, mm. are they are they on a dating app at all? Can you choose to date the Taliban? <laughs> I don't even want to touch that. No, I don't. Don't even laugh. It's terrible. Yeah. What? what, what? Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. No. <laughs> no. 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 This is this this story is about. Um, I have been reading all the headlines I can find about. Uh, the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan and the uh, large amount of equipment that has been left behind and has now fallen into Taliban hands. So uh, there are a lot of competing stories and there's a lot of we left this much behind. No, we didn't. Yes, we did. Kind of like how much did the U.S. leave behind? How much is actually accessible to the Taliban? It's still really unclear right now. Mm-hmm. Like pr- there's the uh, hypotheticals of like 83 billion. And then there's people saying, no, that's not accurate. That's how much we paid. That's not how much it's worth. Whatever. We do know that there's quite a bit of tech that the Taliban now has its hands on that was used by U.S. forces and U.S. allies over the last 20 years. And one piece of kit that has been getting a lot of headline news is the databases of biometric data that were gathered over the years by U.S. forces and allies. Yeah. This is my worst nightmare. 
Yeah, honestly. yeah. This so I I might be putting some of your fears to rest, but also giving you new ones. So here here mm-hmm. we go. Um, <laughs> so the U.S. military used biometric collection devices called I'm going to say they're called Hide machines, H I I D E mm-hmm. machines, and they used them to scan the fingerprints and irises and facial geometries of not just allies, but people that they were looking for. Um, so it's said that actually uh, biometrics were used in identifying Osama bin Laden when they hunted him down and about 10 years ago. Mm. So biometrics were a big, big part of identifying allies, identifying potential bomb makers that were sort of hiding amongst the general public. Mm-hmm. So the Taliban now has their hands on all these hide machines. Those were left behind. And at least in the U.S., the news is painting the picture that a whole bunch of Afghanistan, their data has been hoovered up biometrically. And all of that information is basically on these hide machines. So digging into this a little bit, like, I think I was misinformed drastically. It seems like vast swaths uh, of this data is potentially in the Taliban's hands. This bi- biometric data is potentially something they can access. Mm. However, it seems like the biometric data that was scanned by these hide machines has been remotely stored and very likely, or at least we're hoping, the Taliban can't access it. Oh, so it's been stored maybe on a cloud server or something. Correct. Or, and maybe right. on U.S. servers remotely. It, it, it's really unclear because <laughs> we're getting so a lot the of settings. They're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like there might be data at rest on these devices. We don't know. There might be data remotely stored that they can't access unless they have enough training. We don't know. I don't want to paint a rosy picture being like, it's fine. They don't know how to use these devices because like, it's not good for them to have any of this stuff. Um, and the manuals for using these devices are readily available on the internet and like you can buy them on eBay. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like right now a lot of the hope with the biometric data is that the database of information or whatever is at rest on the devices is going to be too hard for them to sift through without really knowing what they're doing. So maybe they won't be able to access it or they'll see the data and they won't know what to do with it. Or there's rootkits on all the devices or some kind of spyware. Ooh. Um, that suggests that the, the Americans would have had to have planned that in advance, yeah, doesn't I, it? I Which think that's... I got the impression. <laughs> they were little, was... yeah, they had a yeah. lot of things on their plate. Yeah, yeah right. I feel like if they had the yeah. time to do that, they should have just not left the devices behind yeah. <laughs> or just like literally destroyed them. Um, the other thinking is that the Taliban might use these devices to make their own biometric database of allies or enemies. Or the, these devices could they could bring them to the Pakistan spy agency, which might know how to yeah. actually extract all this info. So there's a lot of hypotheticals with the biometric data. When I had originally heard these stories, it sounded like it was a done deal. This information is out there. Everybody is like crazy at risk and it is possible. Um, it sounds like there's a lot of hope in a security by obscurity that maybe they won't know what to do with all this stuff, which is <laughs> like mm. a really, really shitty way to operate. Maybe it's all protected by a really strong password. Maybe the <laughs> Taliban have now got a, the US Army's Netflix password and they're 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 being preoccupied watching that instead. They won't notice us creating a new profile over here on the side. If we just say it's like a kid's profile, maybe they won't notice. Disney Plus. Fantastic. Yeah. We'll right. do that. Yeah. We'll work our way through the Mandalorian. I know. I, I, I found this quote uh, when I was researching the story that I just was great. It's by Welton Chang, the chief technology officer for Human Rights First, and he's a former army intelligence officer. He said, I don't think anyone ever thought about data privacy or what to do in the event of the Hyde system falling into the wrong hands. Moving forward, the U.S. military and diplomatic apparatus should think carefully about whether to deploy these systems again in situations as tenuous as Afghanistan. Oh, do you think? 
<laughs> it might be a good idea to think about no, it. He's totally right. I mean, no, I think that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. They even thinks that people didn't think about that. Like, I can't imagine I you'd have this powerful technology and go, look, we must consider what if this gets in the wrong hands? Give me a break. That didn't happen. And if it didn't, shame on you. <laughs> yeah. And that, it is pretty incredible that nobody thought like, what, what? Yeah. There's no policy it. about this at all. Yeah. So on the biometric data thing, I don't want to be like, everything's fine. They don't know how to use it. Don't worry about it. We, we just generally do not know. So, of course. Um, it's, it is possible that the iris and fingerprint scans and the facial scans are not as much in danger as we thought, but they could be. We don't know yet. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a keep a pin on that. So that's actually not what I wanted to talk about primarily. I also wanted to mention there's a big butt to this story. And, and I don't talk, <laughs> I don't mean a, a big butt, not a derriere, but like a, a, a caveat, if you will. Our friends at the MIT Technology Review did some digging on this story because they were also curious about what the heck is going on with right. it. Mm-hmm. And they talked to some sources who are familiar with what's going on, and they, they had to anonymously protect their sources. I'm guessing these are folks who either worked on this or helped set it up. And they said that all this attention we've been paying to these biometric hide systems is really misplaced because there's a lot of unknowns there, right? What the Taliban has almost guaranteed access to is not getting as much press, and it's not as sexy as biometrics, but it ends up that the Taliban has access to a whole lot of PII for Afghan police and soldiers. Oh. Yeah. So a U.S.-funded but not controlled database called the Afghan Personnel and Pay System, or APPS, that's what's at risk. So this database was set up starting in 2016 to make sure that we're paying National Army and police in Afghanistan and not frauds who are posing as soldiers to get money. Mm. Um, according to the sources at MIT Tech Review, who they spoke to, there was no data retention or deletion policy on this database, not even the contingency of, say, the Taliban coming in and taking over. And the kicker is that unlike the Hyde systems, which have all their data remotely stored, apparently, the APPS data is held entirely on local Afghan government servers. So it is basically guaranteed that the Taliban has this data right now. And there's no complex, like, biometric data uh, machinery needed to access this. It's literally just a database. They just hit print on this. So the data on the APPS includes about 40 different data points, which includes the basics you would expect, like the name, place of birth, date of birth for the soldier or the police officer. Everything you need to get a passport, for example. Right. It also includes things like their military specialization, their favorite fruit. What? Yeah. What favorite favorite fruit? <laughs> favorite fruit? Like favorite, kiwi. Right. Favorite vegetable. Okay. Favorite flavor ice cream. This is <laughs> this sounds a bit like pop, a smash hits magazine when they'd they'd have these teenage interviews of pop stars. Those two are kind of funny, the fruit and vegetable, you're kinda of like, what? But it goes on and this is where it starts okay. like I start right. sweating. The names of two tribal elders who serve as guarantors of that person's service, who can basically oh, vouch for them. Oh my god. The names of the soldier or police officer's father, uncle, and grandfathers as well as a unique ID number that connects them to a biometric profile that is kept by the Afghan Ministry of the Interior. So going beyond the initial fear that this data could be used to identify people who worked with the Americans, if the geeks at the Taliban know what they're doing and like who's to say that they don't, they may be able to like one by one hunt down service members, families and people who just vouch for them and carry out wide ranging reprisals on anyone they suspect is just a political opponent. So the the story about the hide devices and the biometric devices is not a red herring, but like it's getting all the sexy press because we're talking biometrics, mm. and that is terrifying. You can't change that. Obviously, can't change your fingerprint. Um, but these databases that are locally stored that provides more than enough information to find people, 
And it also has that identifier tying them back to a biometric profile. So if the Taliban figure out what they're doing with those high devices, like I don't even want to finish the sentence because that's terrifying. Mm. So it, it needs to be said again, there was absolutely no data retention or protection policies in place for any of this. I really hope anytime a government entity wants to start collecting data on people that they'll listen to this podcast, (laughs) whether it's PII or biometric data, I want them to ask themselves, what kind of data are we collecting and why? What are the benefits and drawbacks of collecting it? And do we really need it at all? Like, why do we need favorite fruit and vegetable? Like, (laughs) I mean, what was the need of the father and the grandfather? I mean, I'm sure they were justifying it somehow, but like, really, did that need to be recorded? It is quite important, though, to know what someone's favorite vegetable I mean, or rather their least favourite vegetable. It's like, oh, don't give him sprouts. It, come on, hide. Yeah, if, I brought, if I brought over okra fingers, for example. Great. Right. Right. Yeah. Not a happy story, but please, when you're thinking about data policy, like it has real life implications. And this is one terrifying example. Yeah. And yeah. now you can hand the comedy baton to me. <laughs> please, I hope you have a happier story than mine. <laughs> oh, God. Carol, Carol, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you're going to rescue us this week. <laughs> what have you got? Okay, okay. You guys shake your heads out a little bit because quick, 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 quick. <laughs> Without Googling, I want you to give me yes. your best guess at what you think the current Bitcoin valuation is at the time of recording, oh, which is no. Tuesday oh, God. afternoon. Oh, God. Uh, $34,000. Uh, John McAfee's penis. <laughs> oh. What? Didn't he eat it or something? Oh wait, no, he died. Oh wait. What a way to go. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know because I only trade in Monero. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually have uh five cents. I have no idea. Fifty thousand USD at the moment. Well, forty eight thousand. Wow. Forty eight thousand. That's a lot of wow. wanga. That's a lot of wanga. Now, what would you do if someone actually gave you $50,000 just now? If I just handed you, you know, a Bitcoin worth this money, what would you do? I think I'd probably, st- I'd, I'd halt the recording of this podcast and try and turn it into hard cash. <laughs> See ya! <laughs> you turn it into hard cash pronto? Yeah. Yeah? yeah? yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. You wouldn't kind of go, oh, it's going to go up, it's going to go up? Nah. I don't care if it's going to go up. You've just given me $50,000. That's brilliant. I'm very happy with that. Same. Yeah. Okay, here, yep. here's another interesting question. Imagine you have this Bitcoin, but you've done something bad, like prison-worthy bad, mm. and you have to go to the clink for a number of years, right? Mm. What happens to your Bitcoin? Wouldn't it be seized by the authorities? Don't, don't the authorities have piles of digital currency lying around, wondering what to do with it? From my understanding, and listeners, correct us if I am wrong here, but I think it has to be successfully argued that the monies or the crypto has been gained from illegal activities. Okay. And then it's confiscated, perhaps Mm -hmm. to pay fees or restitution to victims, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't think the authorities can just like grab your money just because you've been arrested. That would be... it, It probably varies though, yeah. Yeah, all over. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes this whole thing can go badly wrong. So we are heading to Sweden, land of detective noir series, ABBA, Ikea, and Fika. Do you know what Fika is? I don't know what Fika is. It's like a cool coffee break. It's like, a, you know, when you sit down with a cup of coffee and a piece of cake and have a little moment. Fika. Fika or Flika. Fika. 
F-I-K-A. It sounds like you just did a little commercial for it. Just put some guitar music behind that. A little coffee and a cake. A little Uh, moment. Logan berries, isn't that what they like as well? Yeah. They're very delicious, actually. They are lovely. Midsommar. Mm. No. Okay, just me. (laughs) Oh, I heard that's quite scary, that that movie. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, back to me, back to me. So, back in 2019. (laughs) Okay. We're in Sweden here. Back in 2019, three Swedish drug dealers were charged, okay? And the prosecutor, Tove Kulberg, argued that the 36 Bitcoin seized by Swedish police yeah. should be confiscated because uh, they were uh, earned through online drug sales. Ipso facto, illito- illegal activity. Ipso facto, all of ours, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the courts agreed. Okay. Now, when Tove was communicating the value uh, of this Bitcoin in the Swedish courts, uh, remember, this is back in 2019. Maybe these are people that weren't particularly au fait with crypto and how it worked. Uh, Prosecutor Tove Kulberg provided a valuation in Swedish krona. Yeah. And uh, so she argued uh, that these 36 Bitcoin were equal to 1.3 million krona or about $120,000. Okay. Okay, yep, following you. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. So men go to prison in 2019, in May 2019, and it fell to Sweden's state enforcement authority to auction off these proceeds of the drug crime, mm-hmm. including the Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But due to bureaucracy, a pandemic, and a plethora of other headaches, this process of getting the assets, including the Bitcoin, to auction took two whole years. Now, what happened in that two-year period, do you think? It's worth a lot more money now, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. The yeah. value of the 36 Bitcoin skyrocketed. Well, that's good news, isn't it, the authorities? Well. They've got spare money. sells a nice holiday, yeah. Yes, in 2019, a single Bitcoin averaged $8,000. Mm-hmm. And today, we know what it's worth, right? right. What is it worth? Five cents. $50,000. Thank you very much. (laughs) Oh, wait, my decimals are are off. Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, where does this excess of $40,000 a Bitcoin go? My pockets. No? (laughs) I I would think it would go to the police Christmas party. (laughs) (laughs) But that would be a pretty sexy Christmas party, let me tell you. In Sweden, it's going to be a sexy party. There's going to be (laughs) birch twigs and saunas and... Fires, yeah, ice hotels. Um, so uh, the Swedish state has been forced to return the surplus in value to the convicted drug dealers because they hard-coded the value of the Bitcoin into Krona. Oh, so they said... They it's got- worth the hundred, whatever I said, $120,000 about. Right. One point so three million krona. Oh, and since when it's become a humongous amount. And so actually these criminals Yeah, <laughs> basically got they had to pay a little bit for their blunder for getting caught. Yeah. Right? They had to pay huh. a little. But they come out with you know some pocket change. Squids in. Yeah, this is a bit costly error, obviously. Yeah. One yeah. done in good faith, right? Uh, but God almighty, would you feel like a dumbass if you're the prosecutor, I think. Right? <laughs> like, imagine all the people looking at you and you're walking around the halls of justice just going, oh, yeah, there's that numpty. Um, <laughs> so do you, do you think it's a bobo error? Or do you think this is probably actually 
not probably written correctly in legal documents now across everywhere. Yeah, we just think of like current market value at whatever. Yeah, why would they hard code the, the value? Yeah. I mean, markets fluctuate. Yeah, that feels like a rookie error to me. I, yeah. I agree. But so I bet- what would have happened if the price of Bitcoin had crashed? Tough shit. <laughs> would they then have gone to the criminals and said, I'm so- terribly sorry, but you, you were You actually owe us a bit us- more cash. You, yeah. ha- you actually got to give us more because it turns out. I bet, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say, yeah, if it's like, if you owe the government a certain amount of money, they're going to get their money. So it's going to be mm. like, you pay up in terms of cash, however you need to get it, or bit and or Bitcoin, if the value is over blank, you know, make up that money however it's owed, you know. They- Tough shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the prosecutor, Tove Kulberg, um, apparently said on national radio, and I quite like this. I really like the, the feel of this. She goes, it is unfortunate in many ways. Uh, it has led to consequences I was not able to foresee at the time. <laughs> so, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but she says others should learn from this. It's unfortunate that it has ended up this way. The lesson to be learned is to keep the value in Bitcoin, that the proceeds of a crime are 36 Bitcoin, regardless of the value of Bitcoin at the time. So expensive lesson. But interestingly, so you guys were talking about how much money, you know, um, seizures make for people. So I was just looking in fiscal year 2019, um, the, uh, the FBI said they had about $700,000 worth of crypto seizures. In 2020, it was up to $137 million. Wow. And so far in 2021, $1.2 billion. So uh, this is going to be a focus area for the authorities for obvious reasons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, the the word to the wise, check the fine print. <laughs> As I always say. <laughs> Hire Kroll to read your terms and conditions, because she will. It's going to cost you a lot. I hate doing it. <laughs> One but Bitcoin. But I do. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the folks at privacy.com. Privacy lets you buy things online using virtual cards instead of having to use your real ones. Protecting your identity and bank information on the internet. What a fantastic idea that is, and a great way of keeping your details out of the hands of the bad guys. Right now, new customers will automatically get $5 to spend on their first purchase. All you've got to do is go to privacy.com slash smashing to sign up now. And thanks to privacy.com for supporting the show. Cybercrime is at an all-time high and it's not slowing down, so why should you? This August, you are invited to Security Summer School, a brand new webinar series hosted by the One Password team. Learn from security experts at top organisations, hear about sizzling security trends, and get quick tips for building a culture of security at home and at work. You can get exclusive perks like one password swag for attending events, the chance to network with top security leaders, and much, much more. Find out more and enroll now at www.onepasswordsummerschool.com. That's www.onepasswordsummerschool, or one word, .com. And welcome back, and you join us at our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week is the part of the show where everyone chooses saying the like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. <laughs> well, my pick of the week this week is not security-related. My Excellent. pick of the week 
this week is a musical. Oh, mine is too. Oh. Oh, is it? Interesting. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Well, it's musical related. Um, not, not musicals as in, you know, show tunes, but it is, <laughs> it is a documentary on Netflix all about Miles Davis. Oh, yeah. It's called Miles Davis Birth of the Cool. Hmm. That is so weird. I was just talking this week about Miles Davis to somebody. Oh, yeah, because yeah, I was listening oh. to it. I was doing some painting and it was pretty oh. awesome. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, anyway, it's a great documentary all about the origins of Miles Davis, where he came from, how he revolutionized jazz with his Do you trumpet. like it? Well, I, okay, here's the thing. First of all, interesting question. Do I like him? Or do I like his music? I think Miles Davis is a rather difficult character to like. Mm. Mm -hmm. He wasn't necessarily a terribly nice chap. Okay, so this show goes into that, I'm guessing, the private. Oh, yeah. Art versus artist, yes. I know absolutely nothing about that, actually. Like, I know his music fairly, um, you know, medium well. Yeah. Because my dad was a fan, so I I kind of got exposed really young. So some of his music is much more accessible than others. So if you were to, for instance, he had an album called A Kind of Blue, which is very famous, came out in the late 1950s. It's an amazing piece of work, very accessible, I would think, to most people. Yes. It's it's beautiful and all the rest of it. Yes. But by the time you get to the late 60s and early 70s, there is a uh, what is considered a groundbreaking LP, which he did in uh, around about 1971, called Bitches Brew, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, which I have heard, and I was thinking, what on earth is this? Maybe your ear is not refined enough to appreciate it. Oh, here's the thing, Carl. The reason why I was listening to Bitches Brew is that I was invited to a concert to see a group perform the Bitches Brew LP in its entirety. Hmm. And so oh. I thought I'd better listen to it in advance. So I've got something. To, and then I started listening to it and thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? But when I saw it live, the magic of live performances, if you remember those. Yeah, what was that I like? actually thought, this is pretty cool. And I actually enjoyed it. Seeing people perform it, I really enjoyed. Listening to it on Spotify. Do you know I what, thought, though? Oh. I would put it to you, Graham. That you could now listen to it on Spotify or wherever, and you might find it much more exhilarating, because I've seen quite a few jazz acts in my time. I think you're probably right. Ah. I think I probably could. What a whole new cool world to explore. I'm so pleased for you. Indeed. I will be wearing my turtleneck from now on. Snapping. Go check out Miles Davis' Birth of the Cool on Netflix. Great documentary. Really interesting. And uh, you can understand why people rave quite so much about Miles Davis. And that is my pick of the week. Well, Miles Davis's music. Yes. 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 And you the just doc- made that point. I just want to underline it. Yeah. Maria, what's your <laughs> pick of the week? My pick of the week is a show that is returning for its third season uh, right now, actually. I think it's coming out in the next few days. So when this episode airs, it'll be like the premiere. The show is called What We Do in the Shadows. And um, I did not think I was going to enjoy the show. Because it uses my least favorite recent innovation uh, of comedy, which is like that fake documentary thing that The Office made very popular. I can't stand that whole thing. I just can't. I think it's just, at least to me, it seems overdone now, so I just can't do it. Yeah, Um, yeah. No, like I love the original UK Office. That was really funny, but like just can't. But Jermaine Clement. 
Yes, and Taika Waititi, I think I pronounced his last name correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this show is about three vampires living on Staten Island now. Uh, and it's actually, the show is not so much about them as it is about their uh, sort of assistant slash familiar, who's the best part of the show. And I don't want to give too much away, but the thing that I like about this show is there's a very clear story that they're following. And it's it's not just like, we're following them and they have hijinks and it's super funny. Like there's a very clear story arc that's happening and it's very, very smart. Um, so yeah, you see all these like mythical creatures, like werewolves and witches and vampires as they're sort of just like living in modern society and like dealing with their dry cleaning uh, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but also dealing with weird occult stuff from the past. Uh, and it came from a movie, didn't it? Yeah. It was a movie first, which we I saw on my husband's 40th birthday. I remember it very clearly. The pilot yeah. was successful. Now they've made a TV show out of it. So season three is starting this week. I have no idea how you watch it outside of the U.S. I don't know. I'm sure there's a way. <laughs> but in the U.S., it's on FX, and I watch it on Hulu. So uh, really, really funny show. Uh, I enjoy it a great deal. So I'm looking forward to season three starting. Fantastic yes. pick of the week. Well, Jermaine Clement, he's hilarious. He's from Flight to the Concords. Yes, yes. yes. And that other, that other chat. They're both from Flight to the Concords. F- they're like yeah. the dream team. So, oh, yeah, they yeah. Uh, basically almost everything they do, I've, I find myself really enjoying it. So, yeah, yeah, the show's great. And they're in it too. Like they, they, they sometimes make little cameos and, uh, um, Oh my gosh, why am I blanking out? Matt Berry is one of the stars. So, like, obviously the show's hilarious because he's in it. So, I don't know. He's great. Terrific. Great pick of the <laughs> yeah. week. Carol, what's your pick of the week? Okay. I invite you guys to go to a website. Oh, and yeah. That website is called radio.garden. Radio Garden. Uh, okay. Radio.garden. Um, Listeners, you can go to, as long as you're not operating any machinery. On. Radio Garden. Radio dot dot garden. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know what it is, Carol. Because <laughs> we've had it as a pick a week before. Yeah, episode two hundred and fifteen. <laughs> uh, earlier this year, it was my pick of the week. Oh no! This is the second week that someone has come on this show with a pick of the week, which has already occurred. But this is the first time I think that a co-host has actually had the audacity to bring a pick of the week. Do you really think it was a, do you really think it was audacious of me or do you think that I just didn't go double check? I just think you can't have been paying attention on that previous episode and thought that's a great pick of the week, Graham. I I'm, and would remember that I brought it to the show before and now you've brought it. What are you going to do about this, Carl? How are you going to fix this problem? I was going to carry on talking about my pick of the week, if You're that's right. okay. Carry on doing that. Awkward! Because <laughs> maybe someone missed it, and maybe I'm just reinforcing your excellent, excellent pick of the week, which if you'd let me finish, I would have said, Graham mentioned this in an earlier show, and you know what? He was right. I'm right now listening to stations in uh, Bryn Mawr, right? Yeah, explain what it is. It, it's, it's worldwide oh, radio, People don't know? It? Well, so, they should do. Episode 215. <laughs> Zoe Kleinman knows. She was on that show. Wow, you remember the guests and everything. No, he's looking at his... He's look, He searched for it, of course. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, because we have a page on our website, Maria, where we list all of our picks of the week. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to our wonderful listeners. But we've been doing this show a long time. So listen, Radio Garden, international radio, but it's done very cutely because you have a little globe that you can spin around and then you can get... Nice. To, you know, I was worried it had already been mentioned, but I thought, fuck it, I'm going for it anyway. Um, 
<laughs> you can actually, like, so if you go to the site, for example, why don't you go look close to your hometown, Maria? Yes. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. And you may find one close by and then you can kind of play it and listen to what music is being streamed 24-7 from that station. So that's the one rule. They have to stream at all times. Yes. So my hometown it's has worth one checking here. out. Yeah. Yes. Radio Uganda. <laughs> Is that your hometown? My, yes, we have one of the largest Ugandan diaspora populations in the world. Oh, here really? Where I yep. So I'm not, well, I never. Yep. <laughs> so we've radio Uganda. Now, I've been enjoying music in France a lot recently. That's where I've been hanging out. But uh, anyway, Graham, I just wanted to say I supported your earlier pick of the week. I didn't know about it at the time, but I've had time to look at it, and I think it's excellent. And I think, well done you for coming up with such a great pick of the week way back when. That's radio dot garden people Aww. tune in next week for a repeat of this week's episode <laughs> <laughs> oh god well no no you know it's just yeah i think All it right. was a good save i think you should give me the save it's just oh uh, no you've kind of saved it but thank you, you know, you're welcome let, let the listeners decide they will decide they this. understand yeah and I, i'm sure they understand what's happened yeah whether they're impressed <laughs> or not is a whole different matter and on that rather unsatisfactory denouement to the episode, we yes. have just about wrapped it Listeners, up. Listeners, shame me publicly. That would be so fun. Yeah, that would be really fun. <laughs> I'd love that so much. It counts as engagement. We need it. It's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Shut Maria. up, Maria. <laughs> Maria, and I know people will have heard this bit before, but I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online. What's the best way for folks to do that? Go to stickypickles.com. <laughs> yeah. We'll be back soon. Yeah, we'll be back soon. So we'll probably be recording this week. So, um, yeah. Yeah, seriously. I don't, I don't use Twitter for much anymore. And, uh, sticky pickles is where I'm spending the rest of my time. So well, follow me there. You can, you can follow us on Twitter at smash insecurity. No G. Twitter and last have a G. And we also have a smash insecurity subreddit. And please don't forget. To ensure that you never miss another episode, follow Smash Insecurity in your favourite podcast apps such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Thanks to this week's episode sponsors, Privacy.com and 1Password, and to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to them all that this show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship information, guest lists, and the entire back catalogue of more than 240 episodes, check out SmashingSecurity.com where there's also a list of all of our past picks of the week. Until next time. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Don't hate me, listeners. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks for the public scolding there, Dad. Mommy and Daddy are fighting. I don't like it. Didn't I have your back your back <laughs> earlier today in a non-public fashion? Did I not? Yeah, you did. You're all right. Aww. Exactly. So don't I'm just fight saying, you too. This makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bothered. I kind of honestly, I had a nagging suspicion I, it had come on the pick of the week before because I'd remembered the globe somehow, the visual. I wouldn't have remembered the name, but I remembered the looking at the visual. Um, and then I'd already, yeah. So then I just thought, you know what? He'll remind me, I'm sure. And you did within 10 seconds. So course, well done you, Clue. Yeah, I was like, I'm right on to You that. were like lightning. Yeah, yeah, you still got it, guy. You still got it. I'm amazed that you remember.
I'm amazed that you remember. Oh, of course, it was yours. So of course, you it was remember. my pick of the week. Yeah, yeah. But after so many episodes, doesn't it all become like a bleh, like yes. gelatinous? Do you yeah. know the yes. blood, sweat, and tears that are <laughs> created trying to think of a pick of the week each week? You remember your past picks of the week. We don't remember what we say about cybersecurity, but we remember the picks of the week. Yeah, I don't remember my past ones. Honestly, I'm amazed that no? you do. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm amazed as well, and and pleased, Graham. It was a test. Oh, oh, you passed. 